0: 651 Sports, in partnership with the Corinne Football Association, brings you a special 12-part podcast series, I Play For You. Hear the stories of the men and women from the Corinne Football Association, each having their own unique story to tell. We invite you for this off-the-field interview with these athletes and Mike Presendez of 651 Sports.
1: everybody, and welcome to I Play For You, a special 12-part series uh, with athletes from the Corinth Football Association. This is in partnership with 651 Sports Update and the Korean Football Association, and we have been recording live at WFNU Studios in the Frogtown neighborhood of St. Paul. This is a 12-part series, so part one and part two will be with Chris. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, your life um, growing up. We're gonna talk about uh, the Corin community, and then in part two we will talk about soccer. And uh, after all, that's what everybody is here to uh, to get uh, some more information on the Corin Football Association. So, but let's start out. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners um,
2: and tell us just a little bit about yourself. My name is Christopher Tunba. Um I came to the U.S. in, in the year of 2000. Um, I uh, attended, I graduated from St. Paul Central High School. And uh, when I graduated, I went to um, St. John's University. Um, and after graduating, I've been, I've been in, in St. Paul, um, living in St. Paul mostly. All right. And how old were you when you came over in 2000? I came to, um, when I first came in 2000, I was uh, nine years old.
1: 9 years old so you're a little older yes um, yes than some of the, the children that come over i um, I, I was yes yeah. mm-hmm. so what uh where did your family come from did was it from burma or from thailand
2: my family came from um burma uh, we lived in a town called um tita um it's i believe um, i believe there there were probably about maybe 15,000 to 20,000 people um, lo- located essentially in that town so it's probably one of the biggest current um, state um, in, in Burma okay you know, or current City in Burma
1: sure uh, what do you remember most about growing up there
2: uh, growing up there I remember it's very peaceful we lived right by the river so my okay. friends and I we would always go on and out on an adventure um, um, by the river fishing you know hunting foraging for food and uh, and um, after school um, we would we would uh, Gather gather around to play soccer, rain or shine. So right. it's been a it's been a um a peaceful sort of uh living environment um you know before the war. So
1: right now um some of the the guests I've interviewed um, grew up or lived in a refugee camp for part of their life. Did you ever experience any of that?
2: I I, I did. Um, right in 1996. Um, I remember vividly the um. Everybody's. One day, everybody just started packing you know trying to packing to move closer to the border. My dad was in the army okay so he he and his men gathered at um gathered uh, uh in another in another base brigade four base and uh they were trying to gather his men to go to the up to the front line and I remember that night my 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 dad came to my mom be like she he was he was like so you you guys have haven't packed yet you know this you know." right right when he said that you know we start hearing like artillery artillery shell um coming in and and uh so my mom like tried, tried to hurriedly, hurriedly pack and that night we left we left for um the border and so after the border um we were allowed to enter Thailand and uh, they they uh, gr- uh granted permission to live in the, in the camp for I, I believe a short brief period of time but i remember i remember um, they the camp that we lived in it was it wasn't safe it was within the range of a burmese artillery um okay. artillery range so they move us they move they kept move, move, moving us to another another camp and and i believe that camp was still also in the range of uh, a burmese artillery um uh, range so they they finally move us to a camp called um Thamheim camp and that's where my fam- my, my parents spent, um or mom spent uh, and family spent a couple years living okay. there so Explain to us
1: a little bit, how scary is that at that age to hear artillery and have your dad getting ready to head off to the front lines of a war?
2: You know, it was, I still, I still have that vivid memory, you know, until today. It, right. it I think I wasn't as scared. I was more sad having to live, you know, leave my homeland. Sure. So, um, I remember, uh, we, um, we got on, on a truck, you know, with, with all of our stuff in, um. In, in this in this one small car, and as we left, I I gaze up, I gaze up in the sky and I saw just like, like bright you know bright star with like you know hearing you know the bombs goes off, every couple min- minutes or so. Right. And so it just I think I was sad to leave um, a place where I um you know that's all I knew you know it's you know and and it's beautiful, um you know, you you wake up in the morning and you smell fresh air and uh, uh, you can you can. All, all the livestock, you know, vegetables. We didn't have supermarkets, so everything was just right like at the house. So, right, just, everything was fresh right, and grown right, right, right there. Right,
1: right, That's awesome. Um, now you mentioned that uh, you did some hunting and fishing and forage for food. Yeah. So, um, what uh, w- what kind of fish do you have over there? How how do you, um, how would you go about fishing and, and hunting? And, um, and what, what was easiest to catch and easiest to hunt?
2: Um, easiest to hunt was probably small birds. We have uh, um, we have a, we all, if, if when you grew up in that town, every little boys have a slingshots. You know. Okay. So everyone have slingshots and and uh, we would go uh, gather up clay, you know, and uh, make into a, a little ball and hang it around the sun to dry to dry for you know a couple days. Sure. And when it's ready, we would we would just go out out in 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 the uh, the woods to catch these small birds and. I remember when I when I shot a few here and there. I would be I would, I'm very proud of myself because I, I was a young little boy, <laughs> and then all my friends like they could just like they're just very accurate with their shots, But I was I wasn't I was still learning at the time, right? Right. Um, so catching small bird was pre- pretty easy to catch. Um, river. My my mom was an expert in um, fishing in the river, so she would she would go down there by herself during like a raining season and would catch like big big river fish, and uh, that that that, that that was pretty exciting um also um there were prawns you know river prawns right. and something like that so we you know we um there was abundance of food i think you know growing up in that kind of region where you know sure everything's just right in front of you yeah, yeah.
1: that's awesome it's kind of like uh i grow vegetables at my house so i get pretty proud of my six or seven <laughs> tomato plants that i have so <laughs> i'm not going down to the river you know catching yeah. fish or uh you know, hitting small birds with slingshots <laughs> or anything. So uh, how much practice did you have with the slingshot? I mean, is it something you worked at every day too?
2: Yeah, um my friends and I would, you know, put up like like uh Coca Cola bottles, or maybe okay. like, you know, um thirty, forty yards and we'll just practice, you know, um we'll just practice back and forth. Um I t- to this day I, I still don't think I'm very good at it. <laughs> but uh but uh yeah we you know it was it was something to do. Definitely something to do, you know. Right. Um we we uh it was a small t- it was a smaller town and we just didn't have much to do so we all friends and friends and I were, um always trying to find an activity to do whether you know play sports or hunting and fishing and that that sort of thing
1: right just keeping busy as keeping little busy. kids do yep, yep. um uh, what was the schooling like uh, back there was um, it a, did you have a, a building you went to or was it a classroom or
2: we do um so my grandmother was a uh, a an English teacher okay um she grew up in uh uh, don't quote me, but I think okay. I think she grew up in Ta'u um, with her husband. Um, they were they were, they they lived in Burma all their life. You know they had, they hold Burmese pass their Burmese paper uh, documents, you know, passport that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandma attended uh, British Seminary School as a young girl. Okay, um, her parents died at a very young age, so, um, and so, um, I think their life model was just basically. Um, to help and educate the kren communities you know whether whether they were, you know she was te- at the time she in an, in the 50s and 60s while well, she was teaching at a um, in 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 Yangon or uh, or in Taungoo or uh, when when doing the resistance when my dad came over in the 80s she decided to to um, she, uh, my my grandmother and my uncle decided to um, come to the kren state Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, took up the job of teaching. And so okay. my grandmother was, she was the head uh, English teacher there. My um, uncle was also the head, head, head English teacher there. So they, they played a vital role in, in developing leaders, you know, right. uh, in the communities. And so um, we have high school, uh, um, middle mm-hmm. school, elementary, and pre-K. So when I was, when I was in Burma, I attended, a, um, I attended pre-K. And uh, I remember vividly. Um, I had a teacher named Dramu um, Sandra. She was uh, one of the uh, the most influential person that you know that uh, pl- uh, played a played a role in my life in terms of you know giving me a quality education. Sure. Um, and also um, that's where I learned my ABCs and you know those those sort right. of things. Right. Yeah. The, the yep. fundamental yeah, building the fundamental blocks. blocks. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I I I went to I went to a pre K and then after that I went I went to uh, kindergarten school. Um. Uh, uh, kindergarten with with my classmates from pre-k yep. and we um every single day um around the morning we will go see the na- sing the national anthem at the at the uh, um high school mm-hmm. and once the national anthem when we sing the national anthem and pray then all of us would just would just uh um you know rush to go to our, our, our class uh, you right. know, our immediate class so were
1: yeah. you excited to go to school i was were i was
2: you? yeah i was um i think it, it was um my city was i think it was probably one of the um it's called it, you know it's tita by Stoule and in terms of uh, education wise i think it's probably um, a lot of people sacrifice a lot to go to school there right so it's one of those it's one of those places where you have a lot of people who just want to do well in life and want to want to help their their committee members so they've and, you know school was taken very seriously for some people right and, and and within my immediate family you know we take education very seriously so i think i do enjoy going to school um every morning and uh, meeting my classmates and you know having you know your, your normal reset recess right. and e- eating <laughs> eating my pack lunch with all my classmates so right it's been i i, I think i remember really at the time that like, i do enjoy go- going to school right much
1: yeah yeah so they you know that would pretty much mirrors what life is like, you know, here at the same age, mm-hmm. you know, everyone, you know, you head to school, you spend the day with your classmates, you know, you're happy to be there, and then you... The only thing back. is we
2: don't have busing system.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is was just, it a, we... a long distance from it where you were?
2: A couple miles, a couple miles. Was it? But my, my, the high school was like right in front of my house. Okay. But uh, my um, elementary school was a bit, a bit of a further walk. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: let's talk a little bit about... Um, life in the refugee camp, uh, what you remember from that, you said you moved twice uh, to get out of the, the range of the artillery, which I, I couldn't imagine what that would be like, um, You know, not only to move out of your, your hometown once, but to move twice after that. But uh, when you finally got settled down with your family, who
2: was with you and, and what was life like there? Um, my grandmother was there. Um, my grandmother, my mother, my sister, two sisters, um, my dad was in the front line with his right. with, with his with his um, with his men, um, um, and uh, grandmother also. You know she's she's very busy. You know she's trying to educate the the people, the kids right. that didn't didn't have access <laughs> to education. So she was in, instrumental in starting a um, you know a school. At the, at the refugee camps and that school is still today. Oh, nice. Um still operating and, and uh you know educating you know young young kids. Right. Over there. Is it named after her yet? Uh, no, no. <laughs> 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 yeah so um life life right in the it was it was hard. Um at the beginning my my sister contracted um she was pretty sick. Okay. She was pretty sick and uh needed she needed to be transported into Thailand to get treatment otherwise um Otherwise, she probably wouldn't wouldn't have survived, you know. Okay. So, um, we were re- we were very grateful. Life in the refugee camp, in terms of um, daily life, we didn't have good access to to water, ne- what, you know, your basic necessity. There wasn't any grocery store. Um, um, the li- li- living condition was horrible in the beginning. Um, there was just so many people that were sick, and uh, every single day you'll you'll see. Um, Black black smoke go up goes goes up in the air, and that that meant when when a black smoke goes up in the air, it just that someone passed away. Okay. So you see, it was it was it was like a, at the beginning it was like a daily thing. Sure. Due, you know, due to lack of um, uh, water, food, and uh, uh, medical medical, so it, it it was kind of a norm. Um, I, I I do try to keep myself busy, you know, by playing soccer with friends um, right. by the by the stream and just um, just to, to keep. Um, keep passive time um uh, i i didn't i didn't stay at the refugee camp long my parents um i don't know if it's if it's gender thing but for whatever reason my mom wanted me to to I know get get a good education mm-hmm. so she sent me to um, uh, a, a Thai school in Gachinaburi, um, Thailand okay so i went there um i i went there as a young boy i felt very guilty as a young boy you know having been 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 sort of you know, granted the opportunity to go live in an area where, you know, you get, you know, you know, it just it's just more developed and you know, you have more um uh more chance more chance and, and, and opportunity. Sure. So um, you know, having to leave my grandmother and my sisters and friend behind and uh, you know getting this opportunity I was happy but at the same time I was um I I, I was I was sad for a long time. Just sure. You know,
1: yeah. Now was that that uh, was was that a boarding school or was it? it
2: uh, um, my uncle and aunt were uh, were living in Gatchinabri at the time. Oh, okay. So um, I went and lived with them for I think two years. Okay. Know. And then what was your life like there? Um, mm. It was it, it was it was good. Um, I, it was more city. It was more city. Okay. It was more city, and um, I didn't speak Thai at the beginning. Oh, sure. So um, I just. It, it, how I learned Thai I just go and play around with like you know neighborhood uh Thai kids and uh sure. you know pick up the language fairly, fairly quickly because I was so young, so yeah right how old were you when
1: i was seven, i think years? about
2: seven or eight around that all time right. yeah seven seven yeah all right so was your what was your dad doing at this time was he still my on dad the front was lines? still my dad was still on the front line um I think he was just very very patriotic and you know wanted wanted to you know be at the forefront uh protecting his people right but at the same time I think um a lot of a lot of the men that you know was in the military for that long you know have various issue um you know with life in general um my dad my dad um don't definitely uh um you know you know drinking become became a habit um you know drugs became a habit you know just you know being you know seeing his men you know falling right beside him you know that sort of thing so i think uh you know growing up i think even after him coming to the U.S., I think it took him took took a long time for him to recover. Sure. Yeah. Now, excuse my my ignorance, but the
1: we I've talked to a couple of people now. We mentioned the war, but I don't think we've actually talked about what the war was. So, mm-hmm. who was the war between? Was it between the Korean and the Burmese yeah. uh,
2: government? Mm-hmm. Right. Right after forty five. So, um, going back. Through the history just a little bit. Sure. After yep. World War II, um or during the World War II, the British promised the Karen, um, if they fought with them um, against the Japanese, that they'll grant them um, uh, autonomy, sort of like a, a state. Okay. So they'll grant them a state. And so at when the war ended, um, they instead um, gave um, the independence back to Burma. And so that caused a lot of like rift between the two, the two, um, the two, uh, the two groups, prim- primarily the Burmese and the Karen. Mm-hmm. And so um, some of the leaders decided to um, form a resistance called the KNU, Karen National Union, and uh, Karen National Union. And so there, at, at that time, Karen State was formed yep. in, uh, around 1950. Okay. So um, so the war uh, back to the war. Um, and so there's there's always been an, been sort of like a conflict between the Burmese and the Karen, and uh, so for the past, I believe, sixty seventy years there's been um, the 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 war still continue. So in history it's probably one of the longest civil war you know sure. recorded right. by recorded by historian I guess is yeah. what they it's still know, they going say. on right now. Um now they signed a peace treaty. Um a lot of signed a peace treaty. Um, you know a lot. Um, it stopped for about I think for almost I think five six or ten years now. Okay. You know, I th- and which is which is a good thing. Yeah, it's you a know? start, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's a start. Yeah.
1: What would it mean to you if if the Korean people had their own state, kind of like their own territory that they could call? This is the Korean state, or whatever. you know,
2: you know, if the Korean were to be granted sort of the same federalism, like how. You know Minnesota is granted sort of like an autonomy from right, the federal yeah. government i think that would be amazing that would be um uh just having sort of like your own autonomy to 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 for self rule um you know to um main, maintain your your culture you mm-hmm. know your culture and uh your livelihood i think that's or even like basic economic necessity needs you know i think that that would be amazing that'll be that that would, that would definitely be a dream of mine but it's um the road is still um, a long way to go, mm-hmm. but it's. I think for all of us Karen who are living in Burma or, or here, uh, here now, that's that's like one of our um, biggest dreams to have sort right. of a, an autonomy for soft rule like how uh, federalism is, is it's implemented here, here right. in the United States. Yeah. All right.
1: So let's talk uh, when you came over. Um, who who got the ball started on in your family to to start coming over how long from when the process started to when you ended up here
2: so my mother my mother started the ball um started the process she was in she was in the refugee camp and um she sort of analyzed the future of her kids and and um she wanted something better Mm -hmm. so she packed up her belonging um Went out, went out to the front line to look for my dad, <laughs> and you know, in, in, in the treacherous jungle, right. you know, on a motorbike. You know, she's one of she's one of my it's, one of the it's gotta be very oh yeah, she's, brave and nerve wracking. I mean, <laughs> i mean, she's a superwoman, you know. Right. Um, and um, she went, and, you know, went and uh looked for my dad, found my dad, came back to the refugee camp, picked up my two sisters, snuck out of the refugee camp and went to Bangkok Bangkok Thailand Italy. oh wow yeah so they my, um they went and applied for um uh, refugee asylum um at the united nations uh at Bangkok uh-huh. and uh they were um I think maybe a couple months after she came she came she asked for someone to come pick me up at Kashinaburi, Thailand to drop me off um at a uh, at the place they were li- we were living uh they were living in at the time and uh it was a small little like you know five by five little studio um uh, uh boarding uh, bo- uh boarding boarding um apartment for uh, college students okay so there wasn't any cooking there wasn't any uh, kitchen or anything like that it was just like a small tiny room you know um with a with a bat- with a bathroom and so we were i believe we were there for a year before the united nations granted us the uh uh uh, uh, uh the permission to to Sort of start the, start the start the process to come to the okay. United States, and uh, life in Bangkok was um, I wouldn't if you're living illegally in a country, you know it's it's it was hard. Uh, we we didn't we didn't have we didn't have the freedom for, for freedom to move around like like other people. Right. Um, if we were to get caught, we were sent back to Masa, um Masa, Thailand, and uh, they'll send us back to Burma, and uh, you know. God forbid! I don't know what would have happened to us, you right. know. And uh, I remember vividly, like uh, there will there will be raids, like immigration raids, um, and, and at the uh, uh, condo, and uh, people did get caught. Uh, luckily, my mother was, you know, she would she would she would close she would close the blind, she would lock the door up from the front, you know, just so that when when the when the uh, um, Thai police officer would come, they would be like, oh, no one's living here, right? Right. So we would all. Take our belonging and put it, put it in the bathroom and uh, um, put it in the, in the back of the bathroom so that when they look inside, oh, no one is, you know, no one's, no one's in this condo. Right. We, 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 should, you know, we should go. So, um, you know, that's how we get by. My mother, when, whenever we move anywhere, she, we, you know, she would always try to dress us in the best clothing as possible just to fit in with the local sure. Thai, yeah. thai um, people. Oh, so I,
1: Your mom really rock-starred this
2: whole oh, thing man, out. Oh, huh? man, man. She's, <laughs> she's the reason why I'm here. You know? Right. <laughs> yep. So then how long were you kind of living in so seclusion like we that? We were living in seclusion for about a year and a half until um until we um uh, until they granted us permission until that, that I'm not sure what they, what it's called but when they granted us permission to uh sort of start the paperwork they okay. sent us to a, a temporary refugee camp and um that's where um a lot of the people at the time um uh, went to before uh, going abroad, you know, whether whether okay. it's in Australia, New Zealand um, Europe America, um, we everybody would would go and congregate there for uh, For an extended amount of time. So um, we we went to live in the that rapture camp I believe for like nine months before they uh, they sent us abroad.
1: Yeah. Okay now um, You had some choices. Then it sounds like to which uh, where you'd <laughs> wanted to go in the world. So why why the United States? Why did your parents choose? The US? <laughs>
2: I I honestly, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not trying to brag here, but I think I, try, I did try to advocate to come to here. Did you? I did. I was pushing hard. I was like, I was like, my my dad wanted to go. My dad wanted wanted to go to I think New Zealand. Okay, and, and I was like, nope, I I I I I want to go to the United States. So, <laughs> what I, was it about the U.S. that made you want um, to come I just, here? Was it um, stuff you heard, or just... just stuff I heard from friends? And and um, you just at the time, uh, you know, U.S. was, you know, I think a lot of a lot of young kids and 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 even I think adults look up to you know that this country, okay. you know, at the time, right? Um, so you know, I I heard that you know we have good access to education, and if not, you know. You, know, you can also al- always find find something to do or work. You know, so yeah. Yeah. All right. So
1: um, was the the refugee camp kind of like like you said it was like kind of like a holding area for people that were going to go off? Yeah. Did you have to go through the medical um, screenings and everything? Yeah, like we
2: that? yep we went to the medical screening um, and uh, the, the, that whole due process of you know entering the co- country illegally. Mm-hmm. So um, I think. T- I don't know if I don't know if some of the kids went through the same experiences I did, but I, I remember you know I had to go get screening you know for 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 diseases and also you know I had to go sat in jail for like a whole day, but, uh, due to the fact that I entered the country illegally and uh, you know I was they they this. That that was that was against the law. You yeah, was right, against the yeah. law at the time. So, so a, yeah. your punishment was yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a as a seven year old sitting in jail. Right, cell yeah. with, <laughs> with a lot of hardcore inmates. Yeah, right. it's it's, it's <laughs> probably a scary twenty four hours. It's very hours scary twenty four hours. Yeah. yeah,
1: So when you got to the United States, then we'll fast forward a little bit. Um, where did did you end up in Minnesota right away, or I did, did you go somewhere else?
2: I did. Um, we we came to St. Paul right away. Um, uh, we were sponsored by uh, one of the. Um, we are sponsored by P Sheila and then First Baptist Church in St. Paul. Okay. So when we landed I you know I had this idea about what America where I was gonna live, but you know, when I first landed I, I went to under a church basement. You know, we lived there for um for probably six or seven months. Okay. So um, you know, every every morning, you know, when you wake up, you know, you don't see the daylight, but you know, it's it's still it was we all of us, you know, share sort of like a you know Common goal, you know. We we just we just happy to be to be in this country. Yes, Yeah. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. Now, when you came to Minnesota and St. Paul, was uh was the Korean community established yet, or was there still? We were
2: at the time. I think there was definitely a dozen family here in St. Paul. Okay. So definitely, like you know, getting you know, there's no, there wasn't any. any support group like kom here current community of minnesota mm-hmm. you know there was any, there wasn't so we couldn't go to social service for help you know again we couldn't get access to interpreter you know a lot of a lot of us young kid became an interpreter for our parents right so um you know it, it, it you know if you want to go anywhere you know you you know you ride the public transportation you know or you walk so it's it's it it, it was hard having a, a you know having the community not being established like other community do like the Hmong or the Vietnamese here right you know they've they've been here for a long time, so you know a lot of the elders definitely um uh view that struggle and turn it into something good and I think a lot of us now truly appreciate that uh that experience right
1: and it's now when when um members of the Korean community come over or is that's probably obviously a lot easier for them to acclimate but do you um, help new refugees that come in?
2: Um, my parents, my parents um, were part of uh, an organization, a organization called KCM, Current Community of Minnesota, and for a long time, KCM helped current um, uh, new arrival with resettlement. So I remember I would go and help my parents to um, to furnish an apartment. You know, right. You know you know furnish it with you know plates and, and silverware and furnitures and you know beds and that sort of thing so I you know I've done a few of those growing up with my parents because my parents were very involved in the community right um, what is it like now for you uh, living in Minnesota
1: What is something that that you that you do now that was really difficult for you when you came I mean other than the language I know you will talk about um, how you learned how to, to speak English but was there something other than the language barrier that seemed super difficult back then that now you're just like, well, that was actually, it's actually pretty easy to <laughs> get around. To.
2: Like making friends. Um, I, you know, in, in not being able to speak the language, I definitely worried, um, that I wasn't able to make friends, uh with, with, with my, with my community members and, 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 you know, people from outside of my community. But now, um, you know, in learning the language, I was able to, um you know make friends pretty easily with with you know with people um also when i first came to the u.s you know my mom you know within first and a half year of uh of living in the u.s she decided she want to buy a house Mm -hmm. and that process was pretty interesting you know i I i was i was just a curious kid and i was always go i would always go to uh to look at i was i wanted to go look at these houses with them and 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 you know go through that whole process and i was just a clu- we were all just a clueless mess you know right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know if we needed an inspection you know we didn't know you right. don't, don't know what we didn't know what to look for or what neighborhood to live and um you know the the current house we we that that house that we bought we ended up selling it selling it um this past year oh okay or th- this with, with th- this year and we um we bought a house and i was my i represented my parents as a realtor as a real oh, really? house nice and also i um i found i found I, we we bought them uh they bought another home and i also represented them as as their realtor oh. so you know that you know it, that it, it, it's a big change you know sure we, we we definitely knew what to look for you know what neighborhood to live in um you know, and that sort of thing. So it's 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 a big change from you know first arriving in the U.S. right, and versus like now we definitely know what we want our family yeah, yeah no worry do you have your real real estate license now? i do that what you i do, do i do have a real estate license it's, it's one of my one of the couple couple jobs that i do on the side yeah oh okay yeah. um well what's your what do you what do you do uh, i do mainly? i do or um, everything you do i guess i do i do i do um, core and uh, medical interpretations okay i also do like part-time con- cons- uh, consultant on the side yeah.
1: okay so yeah. you give back to your yeah i do i do on on a daily basis yeah that's cool yeah that
2: that was that was my goal after graduations and i felt like i did accomplish that oh that's Mm -hmm.
1: really cool so um so when as young kids so you said you you learned thai when you moved to thailand Mm -hmm. um did you feel like you would be able to learn english pretty quick um
2: i felt that but in in coming here i think the english language is probably one of the most difficult languages it's to learn it's very difficult yeah it's probably Even one of the most a difficult for english speakers yeah. they still get <laughs> <laughs> i i speak um, i picked up burmese by watching by watching um burmese movie okay. and hearing my parents speak and i can i can kind of uh, formulate the, you know words and vocabs but and i so i speak fluent you know, Korean, I can I can speak Thai um, conversationally. I can speak you know Burmese, um, but in, the English language is it's probably one of one of for me you know one of the most difficult languages right. to learn. <laughs> uh, now, were you allowed to speak English at home uh, uh, when you were growing up? Cause I know me, I've talked to
1: a couple of people that have said that there was a no at home within
2: my family. We speak mostly Korean. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think it was it was definitely. Emphasize at home when you when you come home, you speak Korean, right? Just to sure. you know, keep on, you know the the you know the tradition and culture. At home. Yeah.
1: Now, are you find do you find it um, that the culture has um, not sure if the right words I'm looking for it um, has it suffered at all with maybe not with your generation but with the younger generation after you um, maybe the kids that have been born in the United States. Is there a gap in culture now
2: I think definitely there's definitely a gap between um, us first uh, uh, us um, those of us that came with our parents and those those of us that were born here um, I see that uh, with a lot of a lot of the kids you know they refuse to speak the language you know and uh, uh, they refuse to speak the language I don't think in terms of like identifying you know who they are um, you know, as a current, I think might be difficult. That might be, that might be, that will in the future be, be difficult process for them. I think sure. not understanding their history, their roots, you know, you know, um, what they, what they eat at home, you know, I think, I think it's gonna, it's gonna be a, a an issue that most of us young people uh, s- sort of like, you know, tackle, tackle in the future. Right. right.
1: Now, is that, is that something else you want to... Try to help uh definitely the younger generation definitely i
2: I think you know going to college was definitely something for me to give back to my parents um I went you know they they sacrificed so much for me to be to be to come to this country and then you know get get the best education right, but I think now it's more of like what what am I interested in and what do I want to do and I think the food scene has been one of like my um one of my um you know one of my biggest dreams is to to uh, to represent the Karen Karen Burmese identity here in Minnesota. Sure. When you go, I think when you go to uh, any restaurant here in 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 the Twin Cities, and when you mention the 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 uh, dish called pho, you know you can you, people will identify that dish with Vietnam, right? Right. It's yeah, from it's say, from yeah. Vietnam, and so um, I definitely want to. Um, there's many of us here. There's over 10,000 um, Karen here in the Twin Cities. And I definitely wanna represent our culture through food here in the Twin Cities area. And so when some when a young kid takes their friends to this restaurant maybe that I might you know, I might open up in the near future and they they, they would name, you know, le, what what lepetho is is a tea leaf salad, right? Okay. That's a dish that would originate from Burma. Okay. So I I, I definitely wanna um, sort of, you know, um, represent my culture in that way, maybe through sure. through food, you know, through cuisine. So yeah, I don't think there's
1: a Korean restaurant in the twin cities is there?
2: there there um there is but i think i think people are afraid to um people are afraid to do something different okay so a lot of the time people just open the Korean restaurant with thai food on their menu
1: oh okay so, right yeah now there's a there's a diff- what's the the difference between the the two cuisines is there like a major difference i or? would say
2: i would say Burmese, Korean, Thai, uh, food. It's a mixture between Indian and Thai. Thai. Okay. So any so, so India, Indian food with curry base with like Thai food spice, sweet, sour, and spicy. And that's what I, I think. That's what Burmese. That combination of what Burmese food is like. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, if you open it, let us know, and we'll. <laughs> come and visit that sounds good actually <laughs> all right so that is uh, the end of part one uh, thanks for joining us Chris on this no problem um, thank you interview um, in part two we'll come back and talk uh, a lot about um, your high school uh, soccer playing career and uh, school in general and then what it's like for you with uh, the Korean Football Association
2: thank you so much thanks for having me here
0: This special podcast series, I Play For You, was brought to you in partnership with 651 Sports and the Corinne Football Association. For more information about the Corinne Football Association, visit CorinneFA.com or for more information about 651 Sports, go to 651 Sports.com. This series was recorded at the WFNU Studios. In the Frogtown neighborhood, St. Paul, Minnesota.
1: Do I play for you? A 12-part podcast series that was recorded at the studios of WFNULP in the heart of the Frogtown neighborhood in St. Paul. The music... Wildflower by Joe Kim Karud, and the intro and outro was recorded by Lou Hughes. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Mike Rez Radio.